Welcome to this week's episode of the Life Group Leader Podcast. Here are your hosts, Hayden and Evan. Hi. At Compass Bible Church, we exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ by reaching people for Christ, teaching people to be like Christ, and training people to serve Christ. And everything we do here at Compass, including this podcast, is to fulfill the mission of reaching, teaching, and training. Well, we jumped in to our series of old, Kingdom Happiness. Jump back into it. And we are in Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, in a sermon entitled, Pure in Heart. And that text says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. All right, well, Pastor Hayden, that's a simple text, but what is your main point? Yeah, the main point, you have it on your worksheet, and you had it on the slide that popped up there. So if you missed it, if you it's missed on it, you. It's on, <laughs> or you can listen to it right here. Anyone who desires a relationship with God today and for eternity must undergo a complete transformation wherein their heart, soul, mind, and body are ruled by Christ through our unconditional surrender to him. All right. There it is. That's a good point. Thank you. All right, it's, well, the, it's the point of the text. There you go. The point that we need to apply. It is. All right. Well, your three points were you must be pure in God's valuation. Number two was accept your impurity before God. And number three, respond to God's offer to purify you. Yes. All right. For point number one, I thought of a worldview question for us life group leaders to think through as we lead our life groups this week is how does our worldview determine how we approach point number one? In every single way possible? I mean, what is your worldview? Are you a humanist, naturalist? Are you a uh, polytheist, right? Are you a deist? Are you a Christian theist? What are, I mean, do you believe in panentheism? I mean, what, what are you, a pantheist? I mean, I mean, all of those things answer that question in some way or the other, right? You must be pure in God's, God's valuation. Well, if you're a Muslim, you can't be. No way possibly ever could be, right? Uh, if you are a Jew, you're going to say that you would have to be clean, ritually pure, do all the commandments and uphold all of those, or you couldn't be pure before God. Uh, if you are a pantheist, right, that God is everything, then you are pure because you are God, because you are everything is God. God is everything, right? Uh, I can keep going. I mean, it's all of those. Do you see how all of those answer this question differently? Uh, but the Christian theist, believing the objectional, propositional truth of God's word, is going to say there is a way to be pure, and the way to be pure is to be in Christ. And outside of that, there is no purity for the person because you have to be pure uh, through the perfect purity and righteousness of Christ, which you don't get that in other worldviews. No, and think it's helpful to think that way as life group leaders. So when people answer the questions in the application questions or co- make comments on about the sermon, you're going to understand what the worldview is by the way that they answer even just question number two or, you know, in how we view God valuating our life. And I think you said in the 9 a.m. at least it's, oh, God knows my heart type of thing question. Right. It's, you know, their worldview probably doesn't match up or does not match up with God's reality view. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So then, you know, knowing that I need to, uh, approach God's objective standard and things, what should my disposition be? Or another way to say it, how should I approach God's objective standard over my life? Well, the fact that there is one, that there is truth, uh, and God's word is truth, and it's true truth. Uh, and so how do we approach that uh, with saying, like, okay, 
and, and this is, again, is a worldview question. If God created us, what did he create us for? He created us for fellowship with him. Uh, and so, therefore, to be in fellowship with him, we have to be holy. So, therefore, Christ makes us holy. And then the rest of our life is lived in holiness as we read the Word of God and empowered by the Holy Spirit that we even learned in Ezekiel uh, this morning that empowers us to walk in the will of God and his statutes and his rules. And so, therefore, now the rest of my life is being lived in the objective standard of God's desire for us to be holy. And so that's why I have to have God's Word, because now that I have God's Spirit, His Word also then uh, interacts with the Spirit that that He has given me in in the third person of the Trinity, in my own life, and then through the Word of God, and I would even add community. All those things work together, the people, the person of the Holy Spirit, uh, to allow us to walk in the objective standards of God's word. All right. And then finally, under this point, you know, is there any uh, other thoughts as life group leaders that we can be prepared with, with the biblical concept of a pure heart? You, you kind of broke it down a little bit in the sermon, but I know that you, through our conversations through the week, like, all right, how can we help our life groups understand what the Bible means about pure heart versus, you know, the Western mindset of, okay, what does my heart have to do? Does it need a, you know, flushing with the valves? And the- yeah, you know, I didn't, I didn't overstate it, uh, in the sermon. Uh, but you know, as Western as we are, we still are, we still have our own, uh, Im- own ideas of imagery when it comes to the heart, you know, uh, he's got a, he's got a soft heart. Well, what does that mean? <laughs> you tell me. What does it mean to have a soft heart? Uh, his uh, heart's soft. Okay, like his not, disposition is gentle. Yeah, he's, he doesn't doesn't have soft tissue in his heart that's so fragile that it's breakable, mm-hmm. right? Oh, I, or you broke my heart. Well, what does that mean? You stabbed me. <laughs> right, right. But you hurt me, right? That yeah. You hurt. You hurt. So it's like we do the same thing. But and that's why it's important to understand what do you mean by that? Like what what is what do you mean by you broke my heart? Because that didn't, I don't have to take you to the hospital to get surgery right now. No, 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 no. It means you hurt my feelings, or you or you have caused within me a great depth of pain and despair in my emotions and my intellect and my will. And I am very hurt by that, right? I mean, I just defined what you meant by broken heart. Well, in the same way, when we look at the text, we got to understand what does it mean by being pure in heart? And we have to answer that question according to God's word, which I hope that I did sufficiently through the power of the Holy Spirit this morning uh, in the sermons. All right. Well, point number two was talking about our corrupt heart. Point number two is accept your impurity before God. So, why should I approach Scripture over mm-hmm. my thoughts when it comes to evaluating my heart? Well, I think even personal experience, even the sufficiency of Scripture aside for a moment, even your own experience tells you that your own thoughts and feelings are not consistent enough to be the sole basis of your decision-making in your life. I mean, if you make every decision based on how you feel, you know that's not going to go very well for you. And so instead, our question needs to be, where can I find truth? What is the nature of truth? What is really true, and where can I find it? Then once I find it, what do I do with it? And so we believe and trust in the sufficiency of Scripture that it has everything in it that leads us in life and godliness, that all of it is uh, is helpful and profitable for us. And so therefore, I know that although I am not a consistent uh, human being when it comes to knowing how to live and knowing what to do with my life, Scripture is a consistent uh, 
opportunity for me to live through the statutes and the words that God has given me and you and every Christian on planet Earth, I think for every person for that matter, on Earth that is consistent, objective, uh, that God has given us in his word. I mean, we, we could go into that some more, I guess, if you have other questions, but I mean, that's why, I mean, your experience tells you that, you know, making decisions based on your thoughts and feelings is a pretty inconsistent, if not terrible way to make decisions. So you have to have a way to make consistent decisions and it can't just be a subjective. Well, I'm just going to use the, I'm just going to use the, uh, the Quran or I'm not going to, I can't just use the personality tests. Personality. That's a good one. Right? I can't just use personality tests that tell me who I am and what I do. I, you know, I've got to, there's something that the Bible says about itself that it is theopneustos, that it is God's breathed word. You know, Second Timothy three sixteen through seventeen. Like you tell me, what other text uh, confirms itself or verifies itself through saying that it is God's very word that is actually consistent uh, in what it says about itself and what it requires of us? You're not going to find any. Which kind of leads into my second question that I have for you about, okay, the Bible's going to say our heart is wicked, you know, and deceitful. Yes. And so why is seeing my wretchedness before God really actually really a truly freeing thing? Well, it isn't at first because it's not. It's condemning. It's uh, convicting. Uh, it allows. It, it, it shows me that I truly have a, a, a problem uh, with God and my eternity. Um, but it becomes freeing when I understand that there is a proposition from God to free me from my impure heart. And so it's freeing once I respond to the gospel, and it's the most liberating thing that ever exists, just like, you know, just like, uh, you know, when the Jews and, and the undesirables were uh, liberated from the concentration camp, well, why was it actually freeing for them? Because they understood the depth of depravity they were in in the concentration camp. So they really understood what freedom was when they were released from that into actual freedom. It's the same thing. You can only be free from this and enjoy the freedom if you understand how condemned you stood before God. So then kind of leads right into point number three, responding to God's offer to purify you. Now, in your sermon, you kind of talked to two groups of people, the believer and the unbeliever. Mm -hmm. So then, you know, how does the, how as life group leaders, can we help the unbeliever apply point number three? Preach the gospel. Call them to respond. Uh, you know, and I talked about it in both services. You know, it's not, the, the, the words aren't magic. The words are a response to the actual, effectual uh, situation that happened. That is Christ on the cross on our behalf. Uh, the word repent and the word trust is us verbalizing, even from Scripture, that says, okay, what do we do because of that? That The work of Christ is actually the work that was done. Our response is just understanding, okay, that's got to be mine. Somehow I have to make that mine, uh, and I make that mine uh, not through my own work, but through trusting that Christ did it on my behalf and turning from my own sin and placing my trust in him, because that's literally how Jesus said, you make it yours by turning from your sin and placing your trust in him. So, yeah, I mean, there's what the unbeliever, if you have unbelievers in your group, you've got to have, how do you make, how do you make the righteousness of Christ yours by turning from your sin and placing your trust in Christ? So then as believers, how can we help our group respond and apply point number three? Yeah, there's a lot of verses. I'm sure you and I can bat some back and forth of saying, hey, as a Christian, you're, you still sin. We talked about that in First John. 
you understand that you need to repent. Uh, we talked about, it, I think, of the nine, not the eleven, that you need to uh, live in an understanding way with your wife uh, so that your prayers may not be hindered. I mean, those are all proofs of the fact that we all still live in this life in the flesh with unpure uh, decisions, actions, uh, and f- we bear unholy fruit in our life in, in ways that doesn't, necessar- that doesn't necessarily hinder our salvation, but severely hampers our uh, intimacy and fellowship with God. Well, I was going to say I have Romans twelve two that I wrote down when you were preaching. Not do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing me discern what is the will of God, what is good, what is acceptable, and what is perfect. And hmm. also Ephesians four twenty two to twenty four, to put off the old self which belongs to your former manner of life, which is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. Hmm. That's good. No, that's it's really good, and that's why we can apply this text and this message as believers, because we all need to respond daily to God's offer to purify us, to have uh, regular fellowship and intimacy with Him. Yeah, and then last question, uh, Pastor Hayden, for us life group leaders, as we know there's probably people in our life group who are starting to really think and un, you know, and doubt maybe, did I really respond in the way that Bi- the Bible commands? But this was a very evangelistic sermon this morning. Mm-hmm. So how can we walk them through and what they should do? Is it, I, don't, I don't know what I've done in the past, if yeah, I responded correctly. I mean, correctly. You got, again, objectional, propositional truth. Uh, God's word, if it tells me this is the way I do it, I got to make sure, is that what I did? You know, if not, what are you basing your decision on? Emotionalism, experientialism, uh, subjective truth. You know, those aren't something I'm going to base my life on. And so I've got to make sure, did I respond to the biblical gospel with a biblical response? And if they didn't, life group leaders, it's a great opportunity for you to engage with them uh, and connect with them and, and make sure that they understand the biblical gospel and help lead them to saving faith in Christ. Uh, or if sometimes, you know, you also got to help some of them to say, hey, uh, you got to help them wade through their testimony and their past religious experiences to make sure that either if they, can you confirm their biblical testimony or can you help them understand that they don't have a biblical testimony. That's the that's the role here. Yeah. All right. Well, life group leaders, we encourage you to encourage your life groups to uh, follow through with the application questions, to mm-hmm. be prepared for group. And as a reminder, today is a due date for our span of care ministry grid oh, training. Oh yeah. So, life group leaders, let's be sure that we we do that. And then, Pastor Aiden, what are the uh, announcements that we have? Yep, we have child dedications. And, guys, we know we have lots of kiddos in our church, and uh, we want to have them dedicated. We want to have them before the church. We want the church to be praying for these families. We want these families to know that the church is behind them all the way in this and that we all desire together uh, to, uh, as a tribe, raise these kiddos in the wisdom and the fear of the Lord. So have them sign up either for Mother's Day or Father's Day, May 14th or June 18th. Uh, And, you know, I don't take it for granted that we do have a lot of kiddos, but sometimes it doesn't mean they're all going to sign up. And so encourage your new parents and you life group leaders are new parents. Make sure you sign up soon so we know that, hey, what is this going to look like? How how can we organize our service around uh, these dedications? So as soon as you can, please register your kiddos for that. We also have summer kids camp. Uh, Registrations for all of those are open now. Uh, And so the deadlines for the VBS are June the 4th. The deadline for art camp is July 2nd. And the deadline for the science camp is July the 30th. So make sure that you go to compasshillcountry.org forward slash kids to sign up for these camps. 
And then the last camp that we'll talk about is our Student Revival Summer D Now, which is a stay camp. And the date is Thursday, July the 27th through Sunday, July the 30th. And we're going to set up a registration for that as soon as possible so you guys can begin registering for that and signing up for uh, the Student Revival D Now. And I believe also on May 6th there is a uh, student event, uh, Students of the Evo. And so you can go online for uh, get to help your... Uh, Life groups sign up for uh, their students, for students at the Evo. And so uh, that that is all of our announcements. Life group leaders, thank you so much. We do truly love you, and I cherish you greatly. I know Pastor Evan does as well. And we look forward to all God's going to do in your group, and we look forward to seeing you guys in the near future. Mm-hmm.